remember you and and thank you for your service. How you doing? Nice day, nice weekend. I know it's just so fun to be outside and and enjoy all this, and then the wind kind of comes in, and you never know around here what's going to happen. But how many of you have family coming in this weekend? Anybody? Or maybe they're already here. Okay. Anybody going anywhere tomorrow or Monday? Or okay. I just want to know how many of you cook out on a weekend like this. It's grilling out day. Okay, good. That's good. You get outside and enjoy it. We uh, we have learned that. Uh, Colorado is a great place to live, and it's uh, so fun on weekends like this when that sun is shining. I want to talk to you, just a continuation, we're wrapping up a series uh, called At the Junction. And At the Junction is talking about those moments in our lives in which we come to crossroads. We come to a place where we make a decision. Last week, I called the message, You Decide. This week, it's sort of part two. It even involves Caleb, the guy we talked about. I Back of your bulletin, if you want to follow along, it's called Making Good Decisions. And what I want to do this weekend is to really walk us through some more discussion about how I can make a good decision. How can you make good decisions in your life? Now, just think about the power of decision. What happened in your life? When did you decide to do something that landed you in this room tonight? In other words, was it a friend that you met that talked about inviting you to church five years ago and you decided to keep them as a friend? Was it uh, that you had something to do on Sunday so you decided to come to Saturday night church? You made a decision. All of us have a place back there somewhere. Maybe you who are visiting or our guests this weekend, it's your first time here. We all have decisions that back in our future create who we are today. What I ate two years ago matters in me today. That's a sickening thought, isn't it? We, we, can't, we make decisions that basically stay with us. How many of your frustrations in life come down to some decision that you made or a series of decisions that you made in your life? If we had the time to just walk around these auditoriums and interview people and say, tell us how you ended up where you are today, we would hear about decisions that people made that either brought pain or success, relationship or lack of it, into their lives, out of their lives, all because of the decisions that we make. And so it's very important that we make the right ones. So I want to talk a little bit about this. If you were not here last weekend, let me just set the stage. We talked about... The fact that God had promised the Israelites, this nation, that they would go into the promised land. He had given them the land. They reached the borderline. They sent 12 spies, one from each tribe of Israel, in to scout out the land. Twelve men come back. Ten of them say, there's no way we can do it. There are giants in the land. Yeah, the fruit's great. The land's fertile, but the cities are fortified. The giants live there. There's no way we can take them. But two guys especially one who spoke up and actually vocalized it, uh, was Caleb. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take it. We can do it. God has promised this to us. We want to make a decision that puts us into the promised land. They basically were shot down. And uh, not physically shot down, but they, they decided they were outvoted, you might say. And so they went back into the wilderness. And we pick it up tonight about 45 years later. 
The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 38 years. Then they crossed the Jordan. They spent about another seven years journeying through, dividing up the land back into those tribes. And so we're picking it up about 45 years later. And let's look in your outline. Follow along. Number one, make good decisions. And then all of these start with that. And then it's number one is by staying true and honest to healthy convictions. By staying true and honest to healthy convictions. Let me just read from Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. This is 45 years after the text we read last, last week. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by, guess who? Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me, when we were at Kadesh Barna, and by the way, Joshua's in charge now. Moses is gone. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barna to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. What is Caleb doing? Caleb is looking back and he is remembering that moment 45 years ago when he went into the land and he came back and he stood against the other people, those ten people who went with him. He's remembering that he spoke up and said, I believe God, I believe we can go, I believe we can do it. Even though they didn't do it. Caleb gave the report as he saw it. Even though he was almost completely alone, other than Joshua, in his conviction, he decided to say it and to live it and to be true to his convictions. I guess I guess I just was thinking a lot about this because it's tough to stand on your convictions when you're alone. It's easy when you have uh, positive peer pressure. You know that the term peer pressure is you sort of tend to want to do what everyone else is doing it. Uh, have you ever used the excuse when you were a kid, but everybody's doing it, you know, that phrase? And then you become a parent, and the parents always say, when their kids say, everybody's doing it, and what do you say? If they told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? It's just, it's just standard. It's amazing how you knew that so well. Boom. Peer pressure. What causes you to buckle under pressure? When do you compromise? It's, it's a big question. We could just, we could have a lot of pauses this weekend to think. Because these are contemplative moments where we say, hmm, can I understand that my decision making must be based on the conviction from the Holy Spirit and it doesn't really matter what someone else says or thinks about it. Now I'm not talking about just being stubborn. <laughs> some of you, some of you are just stubborn and you need to change your mind once in a while because you're wrong in some things, right? And now I said that for some of you, so just poke them right now and say, listen to that. It's important for you and I to understand it's not about being stubborn, but there's something about when you have conviction from God to, to stand on the ground, to stand under your convictions. I was thinking about teenagers and the pressures they face in our culture. I mean, always young people face pressure, but you young people in these auditoriums tonight, I just want to tell you, Find the convictions from God and stick with it. I remember, um, I think it was like 8th or ninth grade, I was coming out of a math class, and one of my really smart friends, um, I was a pretty average student. If I kept a B average, uh, my mom would pay for my car insurance through high school, so I always maintained that. But uh, 
I remember coming out of one of those classes in about ninth grade, and one of my friends handed me a little index card, and it was 20 questions of a multiple-choice test. And on the index card were all the answers, like C, B, A, D, A, you know, and it was just boom, right there. And I just, I remember, that's like, I, I had this card, and he, I didn't ask him for it, he just said, here's the answers. And I walked into that class holding that card, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, for helping me with math class. And, God provides. You know, you never know how he's going to provide, but I'm just kidding. I remember the, the struggle. And, and you young people, you know what I'm talking about. The struggle that knowing those answers are in my pocket. And I remember I saw the first three. And I don't remember if it was D, B, C or what it was, but I remember I saw the first three before I put it in my pocket. And then I was even convicted in reading the, the test thinking, oh, yeah, I would have picked that. I'm sure I would have picked that. It's almost like I felt like I should miss them just so I wasn't cheating. But I remember walking out of that classroom that day with that still in my pocket, knowing that that I had stayed true. I'm sure I cheated at some point on something, but that day I won the battle. And I wanted to say this. I want to say, those are moments when you make decisions like that, when you say, thank you, God, for the strength, and you can live with that. You can live with yourself. You can live with peace. When I think of sexuality in our culture, and I think of the standards of, of our nation and the world, and the expectations and the pressure that so many of our young people are under, I just want to say, don't let that pressure cause you to make decisions in your life that one day you will regret. But stand true to the promises of God and give yourself fully to the right person in God's timing, in the context of marriage. Because that's God's best for you. You and I have opportunities to make these decisions. I love Caleb because he says, look, I'm not compromising. I gave him an honest answer then. And I am so thankful that I said we can take the land. Another thing, secondly, I make good decisions by refusing to become bitter. By refusing to become bitter. Now, this is one of the most amazing uh, parts of Caleb that I respect. And so I really want you to to just think about this. Verse 8. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. Remember their report? He calls them brothers because they are. He says, it was their fault that we didn't go in. I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as He promised, for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Now, here's what I want you to see about this. For 38 years, they're wandering in the wilderness. The Bible records story after story of their murmurings, their complainings, their issues, And here's Caleb standing up on this day with this great spirit, this great heart, remembering what could have been, but he's not bitter. There's no, there's no angst in his voice. He doesn't stand up and say, those stupid other guys. He doesn't say that. And I just want us to pause here for a minute and think about this because first of all, when Joshua and Caleb gave their report, when they said, no, let's go up and take the land. In the, in the book of Numbers, if you want to write this down and look it up later, Numbers 14.10, 
it says the whole community, after they said that, begin to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. They actually talked about killing them because of the report they had that they believed we can go in and take the land. So here's all these people who, who said, we might kill you if you don't shut up. And then they caused him to endure 38 years in the wilderness and seven more after crossing the Jordan without yet being in the promised land. Yes, that's a long time. That's a long time that someone else's decision has impacted your life. We need to talk about what can we learn from this? I wonder how many times in 38 years Caleb wanted to stand up and say, I tried to tell you we could have taken the land back then. You idiots. I'm sure there were moments when he may have felt that way. Just like we feel that way. Who in your life has robbed you? Who in your life has taken something precious from you? Who in your life has caused that much pain? You know, it's a great day. Have you ever had a day when you were proven right about something that's been an argument for a long time? And it's just so fun to gloat just for a moment. You know, just just that moment. I never sensed that, that Caleb ever was a told-you-so person. There's nothing in Scripture that indicates it. And it started me thinking about our culture. Our culture is so motivated with bitterness and with anger. The, the ability to get even. The, the right to hold a grudge. And I just want to ask these questions. What are your places of possible bitterness? What are the places that have fertile soil in your mind, your life? I hear it spewing out sometimes when people say, well, my ex, my ex, this and this and this and this. And you want to say, well, 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 well what's, what's your future? What, what's your future like? Well, it would be this and this and this, but my ex, I know. And there is pain there. I'm not denying that pain. But I, I want us to, 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 to grasp something deeper and bigger with God tonight. Those of you who have places of bitterness, I, well, my former employer, if you knew what they did to me, and all of a sudden there's no hope, there's, there's this something, an illness, a disease. It's beyond your control. You get sick. You can't help it. The disease is bad enough, but it, it may be the bitterness that actually kills you. Where is God? Why did this happen? I watch people journey through this, an accident, a child that hurt you, a parent that hurt you. And you live squashed down. Caleb could have just shriveled up and died and said, they didn't listen to me when I tried. Now I'm old. I don't give a rip anymore. I'm just going to die and not worry about it. But he didn't. He kept a spirit that was helpful. Maybe you've been taken advantage of. Maybe you could tell me right now of a moment you've been taken advantage of. I, I, uh, I read, I don't, I'm not one for jokes too much, but... I read this little joke that someone sent me, and I want to tell it to you. Dan was a single guy living at home with his father and working in the family business. When he found out that he was going to inherit a fortune when his sickly father died, he decided he needed to find a wife that he could share his fortune with. One evening at an investment meeting, he spotted the most beautiful woman that he had ever seen. Her natural beauty just took his breath away. He said, I may look like just an ordinary guy, but in a few months, my father will die from a disease and I will inherit over $200 million. Very impressed. The beautiful woman asked for his business card and three days later, she became his stepmother. 
I would say poor Dan was taken advantage of there. See, sometimes we, we laugh at stories like that because all of us have a little, a little something in us that understand, understands what it's like for someone to sort of get an edge on us or get the best of us or hurt us and walk away. Take something from us. Don't become bitter. bitter bitterness will ruin your life. And then number three, making good decisions. I make good decisions by focusing on the future. I love this part of Caleb. He was so focused on the future. It's just astounding to me. I want to just make the statement, yes, we learn from our past. We talked about that last week. We learn from the mistakes we make and all of that. But I really believe we make better decisions when we think about what, what the end should look like. What do you have in mind out there? The vision you have for that. And, and if I'm making decisions to go towards something rather than to keep from doing something, I'm in better shape. Look at Joshua 14, 10b. He stands in front of Joshua and he says, Today I am 85 years old. Okay, this is fun. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. That is an old man who believes he can do anything. He is young at heart. Would you agree? It's amazing. It's like he's standing up in front of Joshua, and it's like I just see him like peel his shirt off and flex his muscles and say, Dude, look at me. I look great. I feel great. I'm going in there. You can't stop me. This was promised me by Moses. Let's go. Let's get this done. I love that spirit. All week I've been praying, God... Somehow, help us to be a church that has this kind of a spirit. Help us to be people. Help us to be individuals. Help us to be families that have this kind of a spirit. Or we say, yeah, it's hard right now. Yeah, there's giants in the land. Yeah, the walls are fortified. But we're not giving up. We're going to stick together. God has made us a promise. We're going to do what He's asked us to do. We're going to obey Him. And we're going in the land. And we're willing to fight. We're willing to go. We're willing to be what God's calling us to be. He still has a vision for the future. I love this about Caleb. He doesn't deny the reality of the danger. He says, I know the, the, the people of Anak are still there. I know the walls are fortified. But if God is with us. And you guys, I know a couple of weeks ago we announced that over this next decade we're going to be trying to just trust God to help us plant churches. Probably seven or eight across northern Colorado, starting with Windsor, Loveland area, because so many of you live in these areas. And, and I, I've been thinking about that vision and what it means to come to junction points like that and say, God, thank you that we can journey with you and we can do the things that you ask us to do. Let's keep that Caleb spirit in our hearts. Let's keep that. What is in your future that you need to hold on to and trust God for? What is it? If you could write one thing down on your notes, just write it down right now. God, I'm believing you've put in my heart this for my kids or for my future or for this work or for this job, whatever it is. Don't be afraid to dream that dream. And lastly, in your outline, I make good decisions by living under God's blessing. See, Caleb was walking in the favor of the Lord because of obedience, and obedience does that. 
I, I want to always live under the blessing of God. Verse 13 says this. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as a portion of, of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. You know what this is saying? It's looking back and it's his history and it says, Caleb made it. <laughs> Caleb fulfilled what God had promised. And he got his chance to go in there and take the land. And God helped him because Joshua blessed him. And that's, a, that's kind of a sign of the blessing of God because the mantle was on Joshua from God. Think about the statement. It's at the bottom of your outline there. Because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. He wholeheartedly followed the Lord. I, uh, I, was really, I was really challenged this week in my study time with this point. And I, I just wrote this down more for me. And thinking I might bring it to you, I might not. But, but I'm going to bring it to you because it's a question that I'm trying to answer. I, uh, I wonder what changes... This is what I wrote down. What changes do I need to, that need to take place in my life in order for me to honestly say, I will wholeheartedly follow the Lord? What, what little things need to be tweaked in my attitude, in my life, in my spirit, my home, my relationship with Bonnie, my wife, my kids, with you, with leaders, with pastors, with, with whoever? What, what things... If I am wholeheartedly following God, what are the things that would fall off of me that I no longer carry around? It's a, it's a, it's a good question for us. And I'm going to ask you to think about that question and ask God to reveal those things. And I'm not suggesting that it's a big list and some of you might not have anything that comes to mind right away. But it might just be a little journey this week that you need to take with God to say, Lord, what are those things? as I wholeheartedly follow you, can I let go of that bitterness? Can I let go and walk away from that angst that I have, that anger that's buried, that lust issue that I have? God, help me. Let those tentacles fall away from me. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for moments like this that it's pretty sobering, really, to, to contemplate what it means to wholeheartedly follow you. And we, we sing... You know, we love you with all of our heart. We sing about it. We, we proclaim it. But, but will we live it? When it really comes down to it, are we people who are living that day to day in our lives? We want to be. We really do want to be. With heads bowed in, in these rooms, I just, I'm thinking of some changes that I need to make. Maybe some of you are saying that. Maybe, maybe a few things come to mind. And you just need to say, Lord, I'm going to own this right now. And maybe it's really personal and you don't even want to lift your hand. You don't. But maybe you need to lift your hand tonight to say, Lord, you're talking to me and I hear you. And thank you. Because it's God's love, you guys. It's not God beating you up. Don't get that impression. God loves us so much that he's always challenging us to become like him. And pure in spirit. Pure in mind. Pure in motive. So it's, it's God and his love. How many of you want to lift your hand? I'm thinking of changes right now. You just want to hold a hand up and say, yeah. Okay. You can put them down. 
Is there anyone here that would say bitterness is impacting my life in a big way and maybe you haven't really fully seen it until tonight and the Holy Spirit is taking you to some of those junction points in your life where you say, I haven't let go of that or I am angry or man, it's taken my future away. I'm still mad about that. I think about that every day or every week. I can't let it go. How many of you need help with something like that in your life? And I just want to pray over you tonight. Just hold a hand up. God bless you so much, you guys. This is such an important moment for you. Lord, we we contemplate these things with seriousness in our hearts. And we come to you with humility, introspection, honesty. Just trying to say, we offer you our lives and we know that you are a God who can help us. And I want to pray, Lord, for brothers and sisters in this room right now. For people who just, they have a place of bitterness. It's a crossroads in their life that was hurtful to them. It might be a person. It might be a moment, a disease, a, a loss. But there's pain there. And it's hard to let it go. And Lord, instead of trying to find an I told you so moment, instead of trying to live back there in that pain, we offer this pain to you now. We give you our lives. You're the only one who can heal us. You're the only one who can, who can walk with us through this. Lord, I pray also for people in this room that just need a fresh start today. In either of these auditoriums, if, if you haven't accepted Christ personally in your life, and on this Memorial Day weekend you just want to say, I feel compelled to follow Christ with my life. Maybe you don't understand all the ramifications of that. That's okay. Neither did I. Neither did any of us when we said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. But it's a journey that God cares about, and it's faith. And I want to pray with you. If you'd like to accept Christ, pray this in your heart right now. Lord, I come to you tonight needing forgiveness for my sin. I acknowledge my sin. And I know that you died on a cross, and I believe you rose from the dead for my sin, for me. And you love me first. Thank you. Forgive me and cleanse me. I confess it to you. And by faith, I believe on you and in you. And I want to live for you the rest of my life. I give you the glory now and the praise. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You guys, as we make good good decisions, we also impact so many people around us. And I want you to think about that this week. This decision I'm making right now, who does that impact? This decision I'm making in private, who does that impact? This decision I'm making public, who does that impact? Because when we do that, suddenly we have an opportunity to offer all of our decisions to the Lord. To say, Lord, does this decision please you? Because the bottom line, that's what it's about. Amen? That's what it's about. God bless you. Ushers, come. Let's continue our worship by giving tonight. If you're a guest, we don't expect you to give in this offering. Just be our guest. Thank you for being at Timberline. This would be the time to drop your communication card in the offering as it, as it goes by. And uh, thank you guys for your, uh, your generosity, your sacrifice in giving. God bless you in that. Thank you for your faithfulness over all these years and for learning to be good stewards of what God has blessed you with. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to give tonight. We, uh, we ask your blessing. And we ask truly that every dollar, every penny would be used to glorify you, would be spent according to your plan for Timberline, for this church, for this body of believers. We thank you for that opportunity. 
to be good stewards. In Jesus' name, amen. You are lovely and you are wonderful. Thank you that you are good to your kids. And tonight, Lord, before we walk out of this room, we just want to say to you, thank you for being the great decision maker. Thank you for your decision to love us first, that we might know love, that we might have hope, that we might be inspired to love others, to forgive others, and to walk in the blessing of our God. We love you on this night. Send us out of here to make a difference, to let your love live in a world that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer teams, if you would come in both auditoriums. You guys, there's tables out there. If you want someone to pray with you, come on up. We'd love to do that. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being at Timberline. God bless you.